If you were driving at about 80 miles per hour today on the I-5 and you looked outside of your window and you saw the driver next to you driving, looking at the rearview mirror, doing 80 miles per hour on an I-5, staring at the rearview mirror, like staring. I said, what would you think? I think he's going to crash. I would get away from him. Like, what is going on? Why is he driving looking in the past? And I said, that's exactly how you're living your life. You're living your life looking in the past, staring in the past. You're living in the past. You check the past. Yeah. But you, but you got to look in the windshield, look forward. <laughs> awesome. Or you're going to crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I help people convert their grief into growth in their own way and in their own time. This is a podcast where we dive deeply into the stories that make us who we are and show us who we can become. Together, we share real-life experiences of growth through our grief. I can be found at grievingcoach.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss exclusive interviews and some of my own tidbits and insights on grief. Today's guest is Sergeant Major Mario P. Fields. Mario is dynamic personality and highly sought after resource in business and professional circles for professionals looking to create and expand business opportunities. He served 28, 26 years in the United States Marine Corps before transitioning to the private sector as entrepreneur, YouTuber, podcaster, and Department of Labor contractor. Mario has developed, managed, and led diverse teams in the United States, Persian Gulf, Mediterranean Sea, Israel, United Arab Emirates, Africa, Australia, Cambodia, the Philippines, South Korea, mainland Japan, Okinawa, Thailand, Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan. That's quite the list. His reputation reflects unquestionable integrity, resilience, accountability, and he has a strong passion for helping other people achieve their life goals. Thank you so much, Mario, for coming out today. Jenny, my pleasure, and thank you for that um that seven star introduction. I mean, if, if there's a rating system of five star, we're going to go ahead and, and re reconstruct that to give it uh, seven for you. <laughs> Fantastic, because you wrote it. So it's awesome that you're giving yourself seven stars. No, it's just the way you uh, narrated it, right? It's the way. <laughs> so so I would have probably messed it up if it were for me. But no, thanks, Jenny. I am so honored and excited to be here with you today. So before we get into the good stuff, where can people find you? You know, thanks, Jenny. People can find me on all social media platforms. That's Reddit, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter as well. You just put my name in search engine, Mario P. Fields, and it, it will come up. So you can go Mario P. Fields, YouTube, it'll come up, Mario P. Fields, Instagram. Uh, I got good search engine optimization, right? Good SEOs. So you put my name in there and it will all come up. Nice. 
So because of your long career in the military, I wanted to bring you on as a special guest for Veterans Day. And I'm sure throughout your service in the United States Marine Corps, you've seen a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. So tell us in what ways you and other veterans have been affected by guilt and grief. Yeah, no, thanks, Jenny. Great question. I mean, I've actually experienced personally um, uh, a lot of grief. And uh, the first one I would like to talk about is when a service member loses their life in life and training in a training accident or combat. But in most part, we lose a lot of, you know, a lot of servicemen and women in training accidents. Uh, sometimes you, you, you go through this process of why not me? You know, why? Why was it the 21 year old and not me, you know, the 31 year old or the older person? Why did the 18 year old or 19 year old have to die in a helicopter crash or the young captain or the young lieutenant? That's a pilot you know, with the rest of their lives in front of them. You know, why? Why them and not me? Or or if it's a helicopter or some type of training that you just completed and then the next person either got on that helicopter or that aircraft or whatever, and they died in an accident, you start, you know, the, the uh, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of survivor's guilt. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And coming from a non-military background, thank you for pointing that out, that deaths happen in the training even before you go into combat. Because that's something that I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah, Jenny, you know, the 26 years and some change that I spent serving as a Marine, if I had to put a percentage on how much time of that was in combat operations, probably 2%. You know, uh -huh. the other yeah, the other 98% is in the, in the broad scheme of things is you're training and preparing and and, you know, and developing, you know, your skills and that's your hard skills and your soft skills and, and lots of training and development of skills. And also you're doing a lot of other kind of partnered work, humanitarian, you're volunteering in the communities, you know, you're supporting humanitarian assistance and disaster relief um, missions in the United States and overseas. So a lot of kind of civic duties that you do that's not combat related so mm -hmm. about two two to three percent of my 26 years was spent in combat operations or preparing for combat operations but the other like 97 percent supporting volunteering civic duties training and development yeah yeah i think for the majority well maybe not but speaking for myself i don't think about the civic side of the military i think of only the combat side when I think of military. So Jenny, which is which is like, normal. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was me and my non-military background or if that no. was like a, a common perception. No, that's common. I mean that that's common. You know, think about it. You know, oh, you're a Marine. Ooh, you know, first to fight. You know, and America's not what one force. I mean, you know, or any service member. And that's okay. That's fine. I mean, that's a belief that not only do you, you know, did you have, but that's a, a false belief that's developed in a lot of the, uh, you know, people who have never served. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's a false belief. Uh, you know, like you said, a majority of time, we're in the communities. We're doing adopt a highway, cleaning up highways to support, you know, the environment, doing uh, 
career days at your local elementary schools, your middle schools, your high schools, mm-hmm. supporting underserved communities. I mean, I can go on and on. Um, and that's just not the United States. That's even overseas. Lots of volunteerism um, when, when we're overseas. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for enlightening me. Anything for you, Jenny. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm being authentic lately. Jenny. Yeah, Jenny, I know. He's an awesome human being. And I can tell. Mario is just as awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. So what helps you when you think about that survivor guilt? What helps you work through it? Because that can be really, really heavy. Yeah, you know, I don't think it goes away, mm-hmm. right? I think you just, you know, just my belief is that you get to a point where you start to gain a better understanding of it just wasn't your time. And to reflect on the positive, like replace those kind of bad memories and that guilt with some positive memories and, um, and accept that you can't change what happened in the past, mm-hmm. but just accept it and accept that it just wasn't your time. You know, yeah. and the way I bring humor into it is I go, look, Mario, you're five foot two and a half and shrinking. Accept <laughs> it. That's real. <laughs> Don't feel guilty. It is what it is. Yeah. So, so same thing, you know, just focus on things you can't change. Accept it and accept that that guilt may never go away, but don't allow, you know, don't let it to paralyze you um, and, and prevent you from moving forward in life. Yeah. And Jenny, if I may, here's another here's another guilt and grief that a lot of service members. I I can speak for me that I dealt with your family. You know, now, although that roughly three percent of my 26 years was spent, you know, preparing for combat operations, deploying overseas and so on and so forth. You're busy or training the combat deployments, believe it or not. We had a training schedule. You know, you prepared. You kind of knew where you were going. You know, you perform your duties. But mm-hmm. when you're training, you know, you're training for all kinds of contingencies. Uh, you don't have one specific mission, so you're training for all of them in defense of our nation. But when you train, that requires you to be away from home. Mm, yeah. So I was away from my family. Oh, my God. So I would say if I had to put a metric on it, whew, I would probably say out of my entire 26 years, if I totaled up the amount of time I was not in my house, it would probably would total up to like 16 years of the 26. That is a long time to be away from your family. There are a lot of times when they will talk about something that occurred and I will be at the kitchen table or in the living room and I'll say, when did that happen? Oh, dad, you were gone. Or yeah, remember when, you know, your son or your daughter did this when they were 15. I'm like, I don't remember that you were gone. Oh. So the guilt of, man, I didn't get a chance to make memories. And then when things start to occur with your children, right? You know, they're, maybe they're struggling. Uh, maybe they have some personal issues, but you start to blame yourself. You know, was it because I was gone all the time? Mm-hmm. Maybe when I was home, maybe I wasn't home mentally. Maybe it's my fault that, you know, that my kids are doing drugs or not, or, or, you know, they can't keep a job or, yeah, you know, my marriage is not as good as it should be. It's be- 
you know, because I and you start feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. You start feeling guilty when your wife and your children struggle in life at points in their life. For me, I started to blame myself because yeah. I was like, I was never home. And when I was home, I wasn't home mm-hmm. mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's a different type of guilt and grief mm-hmm. from the survivor guilt we talked about earlier. What, how do you deal with that? Like, the guilt of not being with your family. You know, Jenny, so different type of guilt and grief, but the discipline, you right, the, the way you live through it, pretty much the same is, again, accepting that you were doing your job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the nation is not free because it is. <laughs> There's yeah. There are folks who, who, who have a job to keep United States of America free. Um, and that comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that you volunteer to contribute to the ability for an average, you know, a normal American to drive down a normal highway and, and don't get blown off the road from an improvised explosive device that's on a guardrail, freedom of speech, freedom, all that stuff. So you know, I accepted that I was doing my job. Mm-hmm. And let's say I was home all the time. Let's say I did have a job where I could spend the preponderance of my time at home. That doesn't mean that I could have prevented some of the life turbulence from occurring Yeah, in my marriage or with my adult children. Mm-hmm. And I had to change my belief system, just like we talked about survivor's guilt, where it was like, no, you can't change the past. You can't. It's pretty hard to predict the future. You, you know, I imagine the future. I never try to predict it mm-hmm. and just understand that things that have occurred that I did not, you know, make occur. Right. I didn't improve. I didn't set conditions for some of these life challenges to occur. It's not my fault. You know, mm-hmm. it's not my fault. And even if I was home and not serving in the Marines, it still probably would have happened. Yeah. And I, but it, it's a process. And, and I went through it. It took me, I would say it took me about three years, Jenny, to really, really choose to change the way I thought about the survivor's guilt and the way I believe, you know, my belief system on a survivor's guilt and then my own personal life and my family took me about three years to really gain some clarity and to be at peace. Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining that those three years of processing and learning and changing your belief system was pretty intense work. It was, and it was a choice. And, you know, this is one thing that one piece of advice I try to give all the transitioning service members and their families and veterans is it was my network. I leverage, you know, my network. I, I will mention him. His name is Jerry Washington. He really, he's one of my mentors. He's one of many, but I like to really mention him is because I use people like him that they did not subscribe to my emotional reactions. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't bring out the pom-poms and go, Mario, we understand your frustrations. (laughs) They didn't try to connect, you know, and he's one of them and he would listen to me as a sounding board. And he go, okay, are you are you done? Are you done? <laughs> and I say, yeah, Jerry, I'm done. He goes, 
Okay, now let's think. Let's think through these. You believe this. Where's the proof? And, nice. and he helped me. Yeah. And he helped me develop a accurate way of thinking and taking a thoughtful approach to some of these things that were, um, you know, making me grieve and the, the guilt and, and um, you know, and, and those things. Mm-hmm. So the network, uh, my network and more so mentors in my network really helped me get through that uh, kind of three year transition. Yeah. Process. Yeah. Did that transition process come after you retired or was it while you were still in active duty? After. Okay. And the reason why I believe a lot of things occur after you you get out is because now you're in the bleachers. Mm -hmm. I'll use that metaphor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, the pace have significantly slowed down. Phones are not ringing. You're in the bleachers. You're not out there on the field playing ball, Jenny. Yeah. So, you know, right, the 22nd time out of life, now you're in the bleachers and you're watching film, you're watching tape, and and you're going, man, I've been depressed for 10 years. (laughs) Wow, I didn't even know it. Man, I feel guilty because, you know, the young man who died in a 1996 crash or the young lady who died, you know, you start reflecting. Yeah. And you just realize that you were so busy serving and ensuring that you had, you know, your skills were top notch and you're ready to deploy at moment's notice uh, to defend our nation or our nation's, uh, you know, equities, if you will, and make sure your family's good and all these things, all these complexities going on. You never had time to stop, look in the mirror and go, how are you? Mm-hmm. And then what are you dealing with? So that's when it happened. As soon as I retired, it was like smoke cleared. Like, man, I'm grieving. Yeah. And I'm depressed. Like, it just, it was interesting. Do you think there are benefits of waiting until after you retired to have that, to experience that depression, that grief? I can only speak for me, Jenny. I I would say the benefits are you have more time to deal with it. Mm, Okay. You have more time. It's a choice, but you have more time to leverage your network and resources and people to help you process things that you just didn't really have a lot of time to process when you're in. Mm -hmm. So I believe when I was in, even if I tried to process some of this, you know, the, the guilt and the grief, I still think it wouldn't have been as effective because I was still so consumed with the day-to-day operations and training yeah. and requirements and emails. And, you know, so you're still so consumed mm-hmm. that even though you may identify a couple of things, you're still focused on, you know, training the young people and making sure everybody's got, you know, what they need and so on and so forth. So I think the benefit of getting out is that now you have more time. And I would imagine bandwidth and resources too. Yeah. And and, you know, let me back up, Jenny. I wouldn't even say more time because you can't get (laughs) time is time. You have more resources and you have more flexibility. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And less, perhaps less, fewer responsibilities. 
that need your attention? Right. Would that yes. be accurate? Yes. Totally. And I think there's a parallel with that for people right after a death or a major loss occurs. There's so many logistical details and and responsibilities that need to be taken care of, especially after a death occurs. Like right. what to do with the body, uh, death certificates, finances, personal belongings. Right. And, you know, Jenny, another thing in the military is it's a lot of times you don't have time to grieve. Mm-hmm. And one example I use is we were out in um, the Mojave Desert, call it uh, 29 Palms, it's, you know, out there in Southern Cal. But we're doing some training in the Mojave Desert. And the first tra- right before the first training day, we had a helicopter. The engine seized. And it just fell out of the sky. I'm talking maybe yards away from landing. And I'll never forget this. And it was a young uh, male pilot and a young female pilot. They both got killed. They, both of them died in that, that accident. They were on approach. They could see the hangar, you know, where the landing zone where they land mm-hmm. and the engine seized. And I still remember going to the hospital to, to check on, you know, to check on the young man because they air, you know, they air medevac the young lady to uh, Palm Springs, which was probably about, about an hour and a half, two hours from where, where we were. Okay. And as soon as we got to the hospital, they had just pronounced him deceased. Uh, so oh, myself wow. and, and my colonel, who's equivalent to CEO in, in the private sector, you know, we put our hands on, on his forehead and we said a prayer for the young man. But here's the deal. The next day, we open up the chapel and we had the, you know, and this, the entire squadron, right? The entire, you know, unit grieved. But training didn't stop. Mm. So the following day, we had training where we needed the helicopters. You know, there, there were mission training missions. And so you just had one helicopter, the engine sees, you know, the, and the two Marines has died feet from where you got to get ready to launch some more. So the grieving process for that unit, for all of us, was maybe 48 hours. That's a very short time. So what we ended up doing is my, you know, we were, you know, kind of like the C-suite team. And so with myself and, and, you know, I was a C-level executive consultant as a sergeant major Mm-hmm. And Marines, but in the private sectors, is you know, C-level executive consultant. And this, the colonel, again, is equivalent to CEO. He goes, I need to fly. I need to get on the first helicopter, show them that it's safe. And I'm willing to get on the first helicopter that gets back up, you know, in the air. And he did that um, to show them that, hey, we, we lost some people. We're going to grieve, but we got to keep training. Wow. And um, and we spent uh, yeah we spent uh, about forty five days, lots of flights, you know, lots of um, you know, um, flight missions with the helicopters, but they didn't have a choice. There there wasn't um you know I'm not flying anymore. Are these helicopters safe? No. And think about how many times when when those young Marines and sailors got in those helicopters, how many times that was a a revictim, you know, kind of like a revictimize of the victim, right? Reminding yeah, yeah. you every single day of the death of the two young pilots yards away. So that's another thing that is a little bit different. I mean, I can only speak from my experience that I notice that's a little different from the private sector is in the military. 
a lot of times you don't you don't have time to to grieve. You're mm-hmm. gonna cry maybe 24, 48 hours, but training, training goes, training goes on. You gotta keep performing. Yeah. So does you know? that add to the grief when you transition from military into private sector? Is it like adding to the grief bucket that when you get out, then you have to go through the whole bucket? I believe so. I know for me, that's what it was. It was kind of like Bloom's taxonomy, right? <laughs> Bloom's uh-huh. taxonomy of how you learn. This, that's self-reflection. You know, because when you get out, you know, you naturally, I did, I self-reflected on the journey. Uh-huh. You know, four years or two years or 26 years or 30 years. You know, there's a point of self-reflection. There's a point of reflection. Yeah. And that's the point where things started to surface. Uh-huh. It's that point where things slow down and there's not a lot of activity going on that can suppress those memories. And yeah. those Yeah. Where when I was in, there was so much going on off through the education. Your kids are graduating high school and, you know, oh, you're watching the news and there's floods overseas. Like there's so much going on that I believe it suppressed those experiences that motivated and inspired grief and guilt. Mm-hmm. Then once I got out, all of that went away. And then it was, man, that that suicide realized how much that impacted me. You know, yeah. 2014. Yeah. Is that a high, speaking of suicide, that transition period, I would imagine that that's a very tender and vulnerable point for people. Is that, I, yeah, does that so like I, lead to suicides? Um, You know, suicide, of course, is very complex. And, and the unfortunate thing is, you know, it's hard to gain a better understanding of the why because that person is is gone. You know, mm-hmm. so the one thing I've learned about suicides is it's hard to get empirical data and gain more research on the why, uh, because you can't interview that person yeah. or, those, or those people. But what I will tell you is the sense of purpose. You know, a lot of people that I've experienced when they're serving in the military, there's a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, you're serving, right? You're serving to protect the nation's freedom or you're volunteering, you're improving your community. Maybe you're the first one in your family to do something patriotic when it comes to serving in the military. Maybe yeah. you started some new legacy or maybe there's a lineage in your family and now you have purpose. You know, grandpa served, grandma served, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my dad served. Now I have purpose. But when it's over, it's okay. What's my purpose in life? Yeah. And what I found is I was, you know, for me, I was blessed and lucky because I always, I gained a better understanding of my purpose for living years ago. And it had nothing to do, you know, it's my spiritual belief. Mm -hmm. Um, It had nothing to do with the military. But a lot of folks, when they get out, they're like, I feel useless. Yeah. Oh, what's my purpose? And they, you know, they get good jobs, but it's like they don't feel meaning like it's meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's I believe that's a contributing factor to, you know, the depression. If you don't have purpose and you don't feel like you're really contributing to society, you're not around your comrades, your Marines and and the suffering. Right. The funny stories and the deployments and all that goes and you just feel like you're a hamster on a wheel. I believe that not having a clear purpose can contribute 
to mm-hmm. some of the factors that potentially will, will will lead to someone making the choice for suicide. Yeah. And I'm sure there are suicides that happen. I'm sure that there are active military personnel who make that choice for whatever reason. Like you said, suicide is complex. What about the guilt and the grief from suicide in the military? Yeah, I can. Again, I, you know, I remember in 20, 2015, uh, this young man, probably about six foot one, just in shape. You know, I probably admired him because he was tall more than anything, Jenny. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I'm joking. But um, but I will never forget the young man. He just got promoted to a higher higher rank. And I went to a ceremony and um, I was a keynote speaker at an event after his ceremony. And I was walking out and he goes, Sergeant Major. And I said, I said, what's going on? He goes, you missed one of your belt loops. And I said, wow. I said, well, you see what happens when you get promoted? Your attention to detail goes up, my friend. And I fixed my belt and everything. Then I went off and did the event. Not even, I want to say 10 hours later, my uh, I get a phone call saying, you know, the young man had hung himself. Uh, he didn't show. Yeah, it was about yeah, about 24 hours later. You know, I got a phone call and said uh, he didn't show up for work, of course. So people said this is not normal. They went to his room, knocked on the door, no answer. They got the master key and they found him. You know, found him. He uh, tied some sheets around his neck, uh, wrapped them around this kind of this these bars on a wall locker. And he just sat down and hung himself. And he's tall. All he had to do, Jenny, was stand up. And he didn't. Toxicology reports came back. No, no substance in the system. So he was he was. Yeah. So not he wasn't intoxicated. Nothing. And so we had to go up to the hospital to identify his body, myself and, and you know, my, my CO. Uh-huh. I'll never forget that. But the guilt for me was, how did I miss? How did I miss the indicators? Whoa, where did I fail? I started blaming myself. I'm like, okay, Mario, you interacted with him hours. Why didn't you catch something? How did you miss it? You know, and I started going back to the first time I met him because he he was only in our, um, you know, he had he was he just checked in. You know, he just joined our unit there in uh, Okinawa, uh, maybe about 45 days prior, you know, and I was like, and so I felt guilty. I felt like I felt like I failed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you start to beat yourself up. I use you know, kind of that metaphor, but I started to, you know, really, really be hard on myself yeah. internally in uh, private that. You know, then I challenged myself. I would never, ever allow that to happen again. You know, I am going to be more vigilant and I'm going to, you know, but what I found again, Jenny, is who there's probably nothing I could have done to prevent that choice from that young man. You know, suicide, the military is not immune to what's going on in the rest of the world. We're just, uh, I believe, a micro right dashboard of some of the life challenges that exist around the world. Yeah. And but the guilt of how did I miss it? What's you know, I should have done this. Yeah, that's and I don't think that's just for vets and military. I think that's across the board. That's just my belief. Absolutely. Um, I do quite a fair bit amount of work in the suicide 
field, I guess you could say. And that's often one of the biggest regrets, the biggest challenges that come from survivor that come for survivors after suicide loss is what could I have done better? What have I missed? What where did I go wrong? Trying to find the why. And and what could have what could I have done to prevent that? Right. And a big part of that is the closure. I mean, they're gone and you have no closure. And yeah. what I found is when there's when you're missing closure, then it creates a lot of unknowns and confusion and imaginations. And like I told you earlier, you know, before we started the show, you know, I, I used to focus on a lot of things I had no control over. So in the military, you have a lot of, I would imagine that you have a lot of unclosure. A lot. Through the suicides, through the death and training, when you have to pick yourself up like a day after your comrades die in the accident, you just have to keep going. You have to move on. So how do you manage that? I would say the training, the resilience, the training, the mental um, training, the physical training, the resilience piece. And it starts in, in, in Marine Corps boot camp, either Paris Island or, or San Diego for, you know, folks who enlist. And then the officers, of course, there's a variety of, of academies through, you know, Officer Candidate School and Quantico or the Naval Academy. But that's where the uh, entry level training and development really comes in. That's why the boot camp is so stressful and high demand because it's it's to prepare you for life events that a normal person would have time to grieve mm-hmm. um, or I want to say nor a person who's not in, in in the Marines per se I just speak for Marines yeah uh, they may have time to grieve different type of resources they can take some PTO right let's t- let's take let's take mm-hmm. some days off maybe a vacation yeah. we're in the Marines you know depending on what training exercise you're in and we're in the military in general but depending on what training exercise you're doing or uh, what mission that you're assigned to or if you're in combat you can't you you don't have the luxury mm-hmm. you don't have the luxury to go oh man oh I need about four weeks off and then let's uh Let's give back to training with our partners or let's give back to combat operations. Let's call a timeout for about 30 days. Yeah. All right. Let us uh, get through this. Let's process it and bring in, right. Bring in some resources and professionals. And then, yeah, let's, uh, then let's get back. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh man. It's a different lifestyle, a completely different lifestyle. It, it is. And in, in, in the other group of folks, I would like to, uh, you know, send my positive thoughts and prayers as the first responders. Um, you know, that when I when now that I'm out and I've had time to self-reflect and really gain a better understanding of those who are in the business um, of protecting and serving and really don't have a lot of time to process traumatic events, they're first responders. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for them, it's daily. So, you know, although although this is for veterans, I would also like to salute those group of professionals who I know um, they don't a lot of a lot of them, I believe, don't have time to process the trauma they experience on a daily, if not or weekly, if not daily basis. Right. Yeah. Do you know if they have 
the same kind of resilience training that you do in the military? You know, I, I know they do have their specific type of training for their mission. Mm-hmm. And that's even in the military, you know, each, not only do each branch of service have their own different type of conditioning and training and development, but even within, the, within, you know, the military, depending on what your job is. So it's very complex, but at least they try, when I say they, you know, the military, they, they make a good effort to try to develop training and development, you know, programs and in um, hypothetical situations that prepares you to be very resilient, to be very, um, to have endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so when these things happen, you can quickly process, but it doesn't paralyze you. Like it does not prevent you from doing your mission. Yeah. And that's one thing I will say that that's the skill I, I am thankful for developing as a Marine where I just have the ability to, to process information in moments of crisis and not really react, but respond. And I'm comfortable in crisis. And I attribute that to the, the, the training in the military. What other blessings have you had because of your training and your service in the military? You know, I would say for me is gaining a better understanding of time. Um, gaining a better understanding of you can't control time. You, mm. you, I used to always hear people say years ago, poor time management. You have poor time management. Or someone would say on a resume or something like that, I have excellent time management. The military taught me is you can't manage time. <laughs> that is a, Jenny, that's a false belief. You can't. Because if I could, there would be many cold nights. I would have said, son, come up now. Come on, son. Come up. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or or the days it was like 120 degrees and you're, you know, you have all this, this equipment on. You got like 80 pounds, 100 pounds on your back. If I, if time stop. It's, it's eight in the morning and it's seven and it's nice. Low humidity. We're going to manage time today, team. We're going to stop it for how long are we going to stop it, Sergeant Major? Mm, uh, let's let's stop it and just enjoy this piece. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so amazing sometimes. And it doesn't happen. <laughs> no. So the skill, the skill of prioritizing. I think the, I believe the military did an amazing job of, of teaching me how to prioritize within 24 hours. Every human being gets 24 hours in the world. Mm-hmm. But the military really, really taught me how to quickly and rapidly not only prioritize, but but move priorities based on external factors, based on information and based on what you know. And then family, the how and friends, the, the importance of spending time and making good memories, if you can, with family and friends, because a lot of times you would have plans and then all of a sudden something would happen overseas and, and you're gone and you're gone for 10 months, nine months. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, <laughs> I w- wish I'd spent more time, you know? So, yeah. so that's another skill is, is, is prioritizing within 24 hours and then being able to quickly adjust those priorities based off of information, you know, external environment, you know, environmental things, things that you can't control, 
and doing them with a level of comfort where you're creating opportunities in crisis. You're not just reacting in crisis. That's awesome. I want to go back with, go back to what you said about creating memories and opportunities with your family. Um, as a grief coach, that's kind of one of the perks of my profession is that sense that life is short. There's a real sense of mortality. You're not guaranteed the next day. No. So make the most of the time that you do have. Yeah. And, and Jenny, the military, when I deployed and I was away from my children when they were young, my wife, it made me gain a better appreciation of them. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my mom, my dad, my brothers, my sister, like it really you, what they say, uh, you never know what you got until it's gone. Yeah. Well, the military, they allow you to go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your opportunity. Go. I wouldn't even say they allow you're going to go. <laughs> so so when you're in a profession that you're gone a lot, again, it, it creates this opportunity for you to reflect. And what I found is that I um, I loved my my wife and my kids and, and my family a lot more. And I was able to think about the things I would overlook when, when you know, if I was always next to them. Like, like just my wife's, her smile. You know, when if I was home every single day and she smiled, like, all right, babe, you know, that's funny, yeah. But mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're gone, you're like, she has such a wonderful smile. Or her eyebrow, like you start to really focus on little things that um, I believe you overlook on a daily basis if you're always next to that person. Mm-hmm. So, so the military really, 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 Help me gain a better understanding and appreciation. Heck, just to go get coffee the way I want it made. <laughs> it's like a luxury. Right? Like, like, I'm like, some of you guys are complaining that the line is long at Starbucks, the military. I'm like, this line is not long, and at least we get some Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. And not so try this coffee. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Any other flavors? No, that's all you got. So made. Okay, well, let's drink it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I'm thinking of anything, any other questions that you think would be good to talk about in our time together today. You know, my if I could, Jenny, my the the main point that I would, you know, I want to leave with the listeners and and viewers, if you do the video, that are veterans or not veterans, is there are things that are going to occur while living that you have no control over, zero, zero. And go through a process where you go, okay, that happened. A death or you know, relationship may have ended in divorce, whatever. And then reflect on that event. And if you can accurately see where you contributed to the outcome of that event, 
Now you have accurate information where you, you can make a choice to go, I will never do that again and mm. accept responsibility that you were part of that outcome. Yeah. But conversely, if you do that process and you discover that there's nothing, there's nothing you did or could have done to prevent that from happening, then accept that, that that was out of your control, accept it, and then move on in life, understanding that that experience and that memory may never go away. The brain doesn't have a delete button. Mm -hmm. But accept that you had no control over the helicopter crash. Yeah. The relationship falling apart because it actually wasn't your fault or your your adult children having issues that have nothing to do with you serving. Or you don't feel like you have a sense of purpose, but that's just your belief. There's no accurate data that shows you you can still contribute to the eight billion humans on Earth from the last research I did. Don't allow things you can't control to be the barrier in your progression in life. But accept both of them. Mm -hmm. If you contributed or not, you got to look in the mirror and go, I accept it. And then what's next? Yeah. And then use your network because, man, don't try to do it by yourself. That's that's what I would leave. That's what I wanted to share at the end of this, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yes. Accept it and move on. You know, one last thing, Jenny, I was talking to someone the other day and he goes, what do you think is my issue, Sergeant Major? I said, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you an image. I said, what major highway do you live near? He said, I, I, uh, I five in California. I said, if you were driving at about 80 miles per hour today on the I five and you looked outside of your window and you saw the driver next to you driving, looking at the rearview mirror, doing 80 miles per hour on an I five, staring at the rearview mirror, like staring. I said, what would you think? I think he's going to crash. I would get away from him. Like, what is going on? Why is he driving looking in the past? And I said, that's exactly how you're living your life. You're living your life looking in the past, staring in the past. You're living in the past. You check the past. Yeah. But you, but you got to look in the windshield, look forward. <laughs> awesome. Or you're going to crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So listeners, veterans, civilians, look forward. <laughs> look forward so you can control where you're going to some degree. You can you can drive your own car where you want to go. <laughs> Absolutely, Jamie. And thank you for all those who are serving. I want to say thank you for your service. Thank you for the veterans who have served and those currently serving around around the world, also the first responders, truly appreciate you. And the families, friends, coaches, neighbors, supporters, you know, service members can, I believe it's a little bit more difficult uh, to do what they're doing if they don't have the support from the nation and those in it. So I truly, truly appreciate the, the, everyone. And I echo that gratitude.
Thank you so much, Mario, for sharing your goodness, sharing yourself, sharing your experiences with us. No, you're you're welcome, Jenny. And and of course, I mean, I'm the host and, and producer of Unarmored Talk Podcast. So if, if I don't remove my armor, we got bigger problems. No, <laughs> Thank you so we much, by Jenny. Example. I, absolutely right. So I enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you for giving me uh, this opportunity, Jenny. Awesome. So check out Mario's podcast on an un- Unarmored Talk podcast. And for our listeners who would like to know more about you, where can they find you? Again, if you want to if you want to learn more about me on the podcast industry, like Jenny said, I'm uh, Unarmored Talk podcast. You can uh, you can find that on your favorite platform, Apple, Google, Spotify, and also YouTube channel. Again, Mario P. Fields dash YouTube. There's a playlist on Armored Talk a podcast playlist. You can watch some amazing videos as well. And last but not least, if you just want to check me out on all the other social media platforms, please put in Mario P. Fields in the search engine. And trust me, it all comes up. Awesome. So it's been another amazing conversation here on Share Your Story, exploring humanity one heart at a time. Thank you again, Mario, for joining us and sharing your story with us. And thank you. You're welcome, Jenny. (laughs) A big thank you for the veterans and the first responders for all that you do and all of those who support them. It's been another amazing conversation here on Share Your Story, exploring humanity one heart at a time. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and receiving these stories. If you appreciated this episode, remember to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on special subscription-only content. If you are struggling with grief and would like to make it more manageable, schedule a call through my website, grievingcoach.com, and I will give you one tool that you can implement today. Until next time, remember that all of our experiences make us who we are and that we can turn grief into growth. You are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters, so share your story.